0: It's Thursday at 3 o'clock, and you are listening to The Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345 or 334-844-WEagle, and you can also find me on Instagram at TheDanielLock. Let's climb into the nest. Welcome into the Eagles Nest. I'm your host, Daniel Locke, coming to you live from the Bradley in Studio in the Harold Mountain Student Center on the campus of Auburn University. Thank you for joining this championship edition of the Eagles Nest. We have a very special guest today. He is the co-sports director here at Weagle, the president of the AU Jungle, the best student section in college athletics, as well as the loudest roar in the world, half of the scoreboard, which is Weagle's longest tenured sports show, my good friend, Mr. Jacob Hillman, Jacob, how are we feeling?
1: Man, it's always good to be on with you Daniel, but especially under these circumstances. It is great to be celebrating uh this Braves World Series that, you know, something we've never seen in our lifetimes and that it was something amazing to experience.
0: It was just six games, most of them were really really good. Only only one of them was just unwatchable. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you're right about that. Unfortunately, that was the one that you spent a good deal of cash hey, to go to all check right. out. You,
1: you say it was unwatchable, but listen, that grand slam in the first inning made it all worth it. Just the, listen, that stadium was rocking after that grand slam in the top of the first inning by, or bottom of the first inning by Adam Duvall because I think everyone started to feel it and it was a little too early. You should never really feel like you're going to win a baseball game in the first inning. As we saw, a lot could happen after that. The Astros erased that four run deficit. Freddie Freeman hit a home run, and take the lead. And then after that, it was all Astros. So it was still an amazing experience just to see the Braves play in the World Series. But an even better experience was Tuesday night.
0: That was a lot of fun. We started out the night together. We uh, <laughs> we left here. We went over to your place. Then we headed over to grab a bite to eat. Then we went to a place where um, I'm not quite able to get into <laughs> quite yet. So we met up at Tumors to celebrate. What a night. I'm still recovering. I didn't sleep any. I got in my big old F-150 and rode over to Dick's Sporting Goods and was like, I'm going to be the first person in, which is probably the stupidest thing I've done all semester. No need for that at all. I literally could have walked in at 10 o'clock Monday morning. They had plenty of stuff. I don't know why I
1: felt the need to do that. I I still need to go get my championship gear because here, there's something, if I can find it really quick, but apparently in the first 30 minutes after the final out was recorded, yeah, here it is, News. The Braves sold more merchandise in the 30 minutes after winning the World Series than any other Major League Baseball champion in fanatics history. Braves championship gear is on pace to be the third best selling World Series for fanatics behind the Cubs and the Dodgers last year. Yeah,
0: I can I was part of that because originally I bought a shirt and I was like, but then it said, oh, it'll be here November 20th. Yeah. I don't want to wait that long. Right, I agree. So that one's (laughs) gonna be my dad's for Christmas. Seems I think we're good size. Yeah. Uh, hey, don't sh- don't spoil the surprise in case your dad's listening. Oh, he's listening. My bad, <laughs> Dad. Merry Christmas. But, um, we're going to Disney World as a family, so I'm really excited to get that picture uh, in Disney. Whoa. Like we're She's celebrating. Wearing your brace. Yep. yep. Love it. That's gonna be a
1: lot of fun. Well, yeah. I, I I really think that you know that's part of it. It's just you know you got to get your gear, and <laughs> people are gonna spend way too much money. For me, it's like. Since I'm gonna spend a lot of money, I want the good stuff. I want right. the really good stuff. I want so.
0: locker room or Nike. That that's where I right. go. Right, right. Because I got this shirt, the, the locker room one, yeah. and I had the Nike one I was wearing yesterday with the crown on it. Mm-hmm. Just awesome stuff. The I bought a pennant, too. I'm gonna hang that up in the apartment. Just I'm so excited. This is, you know, you know my past. I I come from strong Alabama fan roots. I strayed from those roots and. Decided to take my education to the best university in the world. I don't claim those championships anymore. So, <laughs> so yeah, is this really your first championship you've w- Well, no, you're a Boston fan. Yeah, I forgot about. That. I was, I was late to the party on most of that. Right. I, I don't even count Red Sox 2018. This is my really, and once I count, this is my second. I count Bruins in 2011. Yeah. I'm giving myself
1: that. You, one. you cared about. Okay, I got you. Fair. Hey. That that that's a good way to look at it. Don't don't spoil your, yourself too much and say right, you won right. all those championships that you didn't Cause really care I didn't, about.
0: Because I don't like the Patriots. None of those Super Bowls are mine. Yeah. And the 2018 World Series is I I count that one half because they're yeah. the Red Sox are yeah right. If the Red Sox had played the Braves in the World Series. I would have been chopping the whole time. Right. Right. But man, this is awesome. Like I, it's so it's so fun to be a champion. Well, yeah, especially with
1: the circumstances that you get it done under if you're a Braves fan this year. I mean, think about it. We expected Mike Soroka to be back. That never happened. He retours his Achilles. Ronald Acuna was on an MVP tear. He tore his ACL in July right after the All-Star break. That's when kind of everyone thought, I guess it's over. This is all over. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to make the playoffs. Mets are going to win the National League East. But then the Braves acquire Jock Peterson, Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall, Jorge Soler, who all made incredible impacts this postseason. Because think about it. Jock Peterson was the man in the NLDS. In the NLCS, it was Eddie Rosario. And, of course, the World Series MVP, Jorge Soler, got it done. But, yeah, Adam Duvall also made his impact, It It's an incredible thing to see.
0: It really is. And that home run that he hit and when we were watching Little Italy's, that was electric. Like, I mean, that was the – Oh, my
1: goodness. I mean, when you talk about a no-doubter – that was a no freaking doubter. Four. It says four hundred sixty four feet. I don't I'll do buy it. No. Five hundred sixty four feet, maybe. Like I was. It was so. It was such a no doubter that I doubted myself right off the bat. But then obviously Soler drops a bat and pounds his chest. Okay, you know that ball is out of here, and it was out of the ballpark.
0: Because that stadium's deceiving. Like it balls. Is. Uh, I don't know.
1: It's a short porch over there. So
0: I would like to go to a game there, even though I'm not really crazy on the. No one's crazy on the Astros anymore. Well,
1: yeah, it's still one of those things where uh, there are so many people that it's their. It is their goal to visit every Major League Baseball. Season. I'm one of those people. Yeah. I'm making
0: strides. Yeah, um, I've That's pretty good. much got most of the East Coast out of the way. Right. I've got to hit New York, and then wait, both of them. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've been either. I'm gonna do. I think I'm gonna do that this summer. I'm gonna meet up with my friend in North Carolina. Then you're not that far from Baltimore, and you're not that far from right. Philly and just hit them all.
1: Just, yeah, that that sounds like a fun road trip. And I want to go
0: out West with my dad. That's what we were talking about. Like going to St. Louis, um, Kansas city, maybe come back down through Texas. Kansas city
1: is a fun one. I went there when Auburn was in the sweet 16 elite eight. It was like opening weekend or yeah. Yeah. It was opening weekend. They were playing the white Sox. It was 40 degrees, but, but I suffered through it and it was, it was a fun game to watch and it's a good place to watch it. So,
0: yeah, I'm really excited to head out there eventually. Um, the West Coast too—that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. But going back to what we're talking about with our beloved Atlanta Braves finally getting it done, I'm excited. I was looking at the 2022 schedule. We open up at home with the Reds. I think I'm going to make that trip to watch them get their rings and watch that banner go up. That does sound
1: like a actually a great plan. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like the parade. I'm i I will not be attending the parade yeah. tomorrow. That's a little. That's going to be hectic and crazy, so uh, I am I'll watch it on TV and I'll yeah. and I'll I'll celebrate through that. But yes, opening weekend, that does sound like a pretty good plan to go see them get the rings. Especially I mean, that's going to be an absolute electric
0: atmosphere. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. And yeah, I was thinking about going at first, but I'm going to spend this weekend in Tuscaloosa with yeah. one of my buddies. Um so that would be a lot to drive to Atlanta, then to <laughs> and
1: then back to Auburn on Sunday.
0: Yeah, that's that's a lot of gas, and that's not really a fun thing to pay for these days. But you know, it's awesome the team gets it done, and it's just it's a special time to be a Braves fan. And I can't wait to watch what this team does in the future. I really they better keep Freddie Freeman. Look, I'm not enjoy it. Enjoy the
1: celebration. Right now, but yes, you're you're correct. And I don't think there's much of a chance that they don't because when he get when he gets that win, it's almost like you've got to come back and you've gotta right. to try to do it again. Especially Players because
0: like him leave the chase. There's nothing to chase. Freddie,
1: yeah. Freddie also I don't think he's like that. I, I think he's one that's gonna stay behind and he's gonna he's gonna help the Braves build something great.
0: That annoy you with Joe Buck say, Oh, this could be his last game in a blank uniform.
1: You know, it is what it is. I I understand it because technically it, it, he's he's not an Atlanta Brave anymore. Like his contracts run out, he is an Atlanta Brave. But his contracts run out. Theoretically, he could become a free agent and leave for another
0: for another team.
1: But yeah, him saying that ah, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, I have a personal thing against that guy. I'm never gonna like him. But while I've got you here, you're the president of the jungle. Okay. Basketball season is right here.
1: How pumped are you? I mean, this is my favorite time of the year. This is my favorite sport. So it's hard not to be extremely pumped up, even though tomorrow night is just an exhibition. It's the first time since 2020 of March that I'll be able to sit courtside and watch Auburn play basketball. So that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be loud. Yeah. It might not be as loud tomorrow night as it will be on Tuesday, but yeah, it's just going to be nice to get back in there, bring the hostility, be the loudest roar in the country and in the world. And really, it starts tonight as well with women's basketball. They host Miles College in their exhibition. And Coach Johnny Harris is looking forward to building up that program. And I'm just excited for it all because, like I said, basketball is my favorite sport. College basketball is the greatest thing on the planet. So it's going to be so exciting.
0: It is. College basketball is so special. There's nothing like it. I love the NBA. I'm a big Celtics guy. But there's just there's nothing like A close proximity college basketball arena.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's what's so great about Auburn is, you know, the students get the best seats in the house, and it's not even a debate. They're right there on the floor watching one of the top teams in the country, some of the best players in the country, and obviously the energy that everyone brings. It's one of the best atmospheres in the country. So
0: I'm so excited. So one question that I was talking about earlier today um, with some of my friends of our three basketball uniforms, the white on white, the orange on orange, and blue on blue, if you could pick one to see which one, which, or I, I phrased that weirdly, which is your favorite?
1: Let's see. The white on white's a classic, obviously. I think the blue on blue is my least favorite. Uh, I still think it's a good looking
0: uniform. It's got that 2020 trip to Coleman Coliseum. Right, right, right,
1: right. Honestly, it might be the orange, especially when we wear it in Auburn Arena. Like, I just love how that orange looks on the floor, and it just reminds me of the of the Alabama game in 2020, the Outlive game, with everyone else wearing orange, wearing all the Outlive shirts. So, yeah, I I think it's an
0: incredible uniform, and
1: Auburn basketball has a good uniform history.
0: I'm so excited to experience my first Outlive game this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be – that's that and doing Swag Surf or were the two um, – Student section things. I was well, other than the cheap tickets. Right. Were the things I was looking <laughs> most forward to about um, experiencing Auburn athletics. It's going to be a lot of fun. When is that game again?
1: That will be against Texas A&M February twelfth.
0: Okay, good. I was wondering. If I was... Some,
1: there might be some insider information, but yeah, besides yeah. the point.
0: I, I was I was wondering about that as soon as it left my mouth. I was like, Can you tell me yet? But you know, I'm so excited about it. I'm excited to be a part of the jungle for both men's and women's basketball. We're going to bring the noise this year. Yeah. And. Another thing, while we've got you here, how did you like the orange face mask? On oh, beautiful! Night? Yeah, beautiful.
1: I think here's the thing. I don't think the only I don't like the <clears throat> the gray face mask that Auburn wore in honor of Pat Sullivan when he passed away before the the Outback Bowl. I think those are the one face mask I don't like. The white,
0: the orange, and the blue. I
1: think all look great. So
0: I agree. It'd be really cool. Or so, what do you think about orange jerseys in the future? Sure.
1: Sure, I'm all for it. I'm not. I'm not one of these traditionalist guys that really thinks we should never change our uniforms. I think it's okay to change it up every now and then. You know, it's it's not the end of the world whenever, you know, you break out the white face mask and you lose to Penn State. Okay, so what? It looked good. It had no impact on the play. So that's Even that's like, high. if we
0: just did what LSU did, and for one of our cleanup games, if we just like they wear their purple, if we just did that, or we wear white right at home. I could get down with that. I, think, I, I think love our cool. white on white. It, yeah, it looks clean. Yeah, and that's just that's my favorite college football uniform combination. Yeah, if you can combine, look. yeah, like white helmet, white shirt or jersey, and white pants. Uh, there's nothing like it. It just looks so so clean. So, what's your score prediction for Saturday? For Saturday, Auburn Texas A&M. You know, I'm thinking Auburn by about
1: a touchdown. I think Auburn wins. I don't know about the score. I'll say
0: 31-24. Okay. That, that that's good. That's close. I respect that. Yeah. Um. I was talking to Jacob Goins in the bullpen before we came on, and he says that Auburn by double digits. Yeah, they said that too. Oh yeah. I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm I'm not so sure if me, I mean me that. neither. Yeah. I I'm think Auburn by a score. But I mean, Kyle Field's been very good at the Auburn Tigers. It has been. So it'll be interesting to get it, see if Auburn gets it done. I think they do, and then I think we continue rolling and. I think that I think we're in for big things this year. Hey, Auburn controls its own
1: destiny. The Tigers in November are a terrifying sight. So you're right.
0: They are. Well, Jacob, I really appreciate you coming on. It's always a pleasure having you. I'm glad that we got your mic going yes. at first this time. <laughs> um, just thank you so much, man. Uh, thanks for coming on, War Eagle. Yeah. Have a great
1: day. Thank you for having me on. It's always a blast. I'm gonna go ahead and plug the jungle. Go to au Involve to officially become a member, or auburntigers.com/jungle to get your free jungle t-shirt. So. Absolutely. do or it, Eagle students, Daniels.
0: Or Eagle Jacob. So that is going to do it for our World Series and Jungle Talk today. When we come back, we're talking UFC. You're listening to the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. We'll be right back. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Daniel Locke. Before the break, we were joined by Jacob Hillman, who is the sports director here at Weagle, as well as the president of the AU Jungle. We talked about the Braves winning the World Series, as we're both big Braves fans. We talked about Auburn basketball getting underway next week. We talked about some Auburn uniform type stuff. It was a great conversation. If you missed it and want to hear it, it'll be up on the podcast shortly after today's show. So, let's dive right back into things here. So, this is a great time to be a UFC fan. Two weekends ago, there was a fight night event. That was great. Normally, those are just kind of hit or miss, but I can really, really vouch for the one last two Saturdays ago. It was awesome. So much fun to watch. UFC 267 this past weekend was a great one. We previewed it last week on the show, so I'm just going to run through the results real quick. And then I'm going to give out some fight bonuses like Dana White does. So in the first prelim, Tajir Ulembikov faced off against Alan Nascimento. It was a flyweight bout, and it was a split decision as Tajir Ulenbakov got the win. He was the favorite going into it. I picked him, so I'm glad that he got it done. Moving on, Andre Petroski faced off against Hugh Yaozong in a middleweight bout. And Andre Petroski won by submission at the 446 mark of round number three. He was the favorite. His odds were minus 235 to win, while Hughes were plus 190. So, very, very, the prelims for this fight were stacked. I'll just say that. Moving on, Lerone Murphy faced off against Maquan Armicani in a flyweight bout. Lerone got the win. He beat Maquan by a knockout at the 14-second mark of round number two. Just to clarify, if you're not familiar with UFC, the 14-second mark is 14 seconds into the round. Like I said in the last for the last fight, um, Hugh and Andre, the 4.46 mark, that's 4 minutes and 46 seconds left in the round. Just a, no, I'm sorry. That is 4.46 into the round, while 14 seconds in the next one is 14 seconds into the round. It's always into the round, not how much time's left. Moving on, Shamil Gazmatov faced off against Michael Oleski in a light heavyweight bout. The light heavyweights are my favorite division in UFC. So much fun to watch because you have a perfect combination of power and speed. Mikhail was the underdog in this fight, but he got the knockout win over Shamil Gazmatov by a knockout at the 3:31 mark of the very first round. He came out on fire and would not be stopped. The next fight was a welterweight bout. Ilesu Dos Santos beat Benoit St. Denis by unanimous decision, and this was one that Vegas didn't even bother putting out a line for this one. It was so close. So, Ilozu was my pick. I'm glad he got it done. Albert Drave faced off against Roman Kopliov in a middleweight bout. Albert won by unanimous decision, which he was the favorite. A decently sizable favorite. I'm glad he got it done. He was my pick, so I'm glad about that. The second-to-last prelim... Zabira Thukov beat Ricardo Ramos in a featherweight bout. Zabir was a slight favorite. The money line was down 170 for him, up 150 for Ricardo. So, I actually picked Ricardo, so I got that one wrong. In the last prelim on this card, Verna Jandaroba was not successful against Amanda Ribas in a women's strawweight bout. Amanda won in a unanimous decision. This fight, Vegas was very, very close on the line. Odds were minus 160 for Amanda, plus 140 for Verna. Very, very close fight, and it was a good one, and I, I enjoyed watching this one. It was probably my favorite of all the prelims. Moving on to the main card, starting at the bottom, Magomed Ankalov was successful against Volkan Ozdemir in a light heavyweight bout. It was a unanimous decision. Magomed Ankalov was a decently heavy favorite as the odds were minus 310 for him and plus 245 for Volkan. Next, in a welterweight bout, Kazmat Shimeev beat Lee Jingelang in a welterweight contest. He beat him by submission at the 3.16 mark of the very first round. This one was very one-sided. Lee didn't really have time to do much. Kazmat was all over him. Fun one to watch, but not very close at all. In the heavyweight contest, that was the fourth-to-last event of the night. Alexander Volkov beat Marcin Tibera. He beat him by unanimous decision. His odds to win were minus 290. Marcin's were plus 230. So Alexander, a decent favorite. He won, but it was very close. Didn't have much trouble getting it. Had a lot of trouble getting it done, I mean. Next up, Islam Makhchav, who is the cousin of none other than the illustrious Khabib Nurmagomedov, who many believe is one of the best mixed martial artists of all time. Faced off against lightweight rival Dan Hooker. And this one was a good one. Um, Hooker was coming off that tough loss to Michael Chandler back at UFC 257 in January as they were the co main event for Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier in their second fight. I had a lot of fun watching this one. Uh, I like Islam a lot. I like that family. Those are some awesome fighters coming out of Russia. Islam got it done. At the 225 mark of the first round, he got it done by submission, which really, really pays an awesome homage to his cousin Khabib winning by submission. Khabib is, in my opinion, and you won't find much debate on this, definitely one of the best submissionists of all time. So, Islam was a heavy favorite. The odds were minus 650 for him, plus 460 for Dan. So, I, I'm really. Excited to see what Islam does. I think he definitely needs to be ranked among the lightweights. So moving on to the co-main event for the Bantamweight Interim Title. It was between Peter Jan and Corey Sandhagen. It It went all five rounds. It went the distance. Peter won by unanimous decision. Very, very good fight. He was the favorite. Odds were minus 235 for him, plus 190 for Corey. I, I love this fight. It was so much fun. Probably my favorite of the night. And in the main event for the light heavyweight title, Glover Tashira was able to dethrone Jan Blachowicz, beating him by submission at the 302 mark of round number two. He was a plus 235 underdog, while Jan was the favorite by 300. Wow, what a fight and congrats to Glover Tashira. I look forward to seeing how his title reign goes. So that was last weekend. Moving on to this weekend now. In the early prelims, in a heavyweight bout is Gian Vellante versus Chris Barnett. Chris is the favorite. I'm going to go with Gian, though. Next up, in a light heavyweight bout between Dustin Jacoby and John Allen, Dustin's the favorite slightly. I'm going to go with him. Next up in a featherweight bout, Meslik Bajjarzan versus Bruno Souza. Uh, Vegas hasn't established a money line yet. Bruno is making his UFC debut. People seem to have good luck in their UFC UFC debuts. I'm not sure what it is. I'm going with Bruno. And in the last early prelim, Ode Osborne is facing off against CJ Vergara. Odey is the favorite. In this flyweight contest, I'm going to go with Ode. Moving on to the regular prelims here. Ian Gary is making his UFC debut in the welterweight division versus Jordan Williams. He is a minus 365 favorite to win. That is pretty big for your debut, so I'm going to go with Jordan Williams. Next up is a middleweight contest between Edmund Shabzian and Nassimade Imov. Um, Nasumade is the favorite. I'm gonna go with him because I personally think he is a lot better than Edman. The odds are plus 120 for Edman and minus 140 for Naserade, and I just think that's very low. Next up, some middleweight contest between Philip Hawes and Chris Curtis. Odds for this one have not been established. I'm gonna go with Philip Hawes. Next is Al Aquinta versus Bobby Green in a lightweight contest. I'm going to go with Bobby Green. He's a slight favorite, but he's getting to be a veteran at this point. He's been around the block a few times. I think he gets it done. Next is a middleweight contest between Andreas Mishraides and Alex Pereira. Pereira is a minus 250 favorite to win. I'm going to have to go with him. So now, on to the main card. First up is Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. It is a lightweight bout. Justin is the second-ranked lightweight in the world. Chandler is the fifth-ranked lightweight in the world. Michael Chandler is looking to bounce back big after losing to Chandler Oliveira in the Charles Oliveira in the for the lightweight belt back in May. I think he gets it done. I think he's going to beat Gaethje. Next up is a featherweight bout between Shane Burgos and Billy Quarantillo. Shane is... They have not established a favorite for this, but Shane's the 14th ranked welterweight in the world. I'm going to have to go with him. Next up is a bantamweight bout between Frankie Edgar and Marlon Vera. and Frankie's the 8th ranked bantamweight in the world. Marlon is the 13th ranked bantamweight in the world. I'm going to have to go with Marlon. I think he gets it done. In the co-main event for the woman's strawweight title belt, my favorite on the female side, Rose Namajunas, who had a big win over Zhang Weillai back in April where she won the woman's strawweight title belt. She is giving Zhang a rematch for that belt. The Rose is... These odds are crazy. So razor thin close. Minus 115 for Rose, minus 105 for Zhang. I think that Rose is going to get it done. I think she's going to have some extra fuel after the way that Zhang reacted in April. And in the last fight of the night, the main event, which is for the welterweight title between Kamaro Usman and Colby Covington. Odds for Usman, he's the favorite, minus 305. He's the current champion. Odds for Covington are plus 240. I've got to say, I like Usman in this one. He is hot as he's absolutely slept Jorge Masvidal back in April. I think he gets it done. I think it'll go five rounds, though. So that's going to wrap up the UFC talk for today. On the other side of the break, we will take a look into the NFL. You are listening to the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. We will be right back. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Daniel Locke. So far today, we've had a great show. In the first segment, we had Jacob Hillman on. He is the president of the AU Jungle and the co-sports director here at Weagle. We had a great conversation about all sorts of stuff. Then in the second segment, I recapped UFC 267 and previewed UFC 268. If you missed any of that and want to hear it, It'll be on the podcast, which will be up shortly after today's show. Now we're going to get into some NFL talk. So NFL Week 8 started out big on last Thursday night when the Green Bay Packers traveled out west to face off against the Arizona Cardinals. Aaron Rodgers was 23-37 of for 184 yards and two touchdowns. Kyler Murray was 22-33 of 33 for 274 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. A.J. Dillon for Green Bay was the leading rusher. He had 78 yards off of 16 carries. And the biggest receiving game I see here is DeHop of the Cardinals. He racked in 66 yards off of two snags. So next up... The Carolina Panthers traveled down to Atlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons. I always love watching my two rivals play, even though I kind of like Carolina a little bit, I'm not going to lie to you. But I had fun watching this one. It was a close 19 13 Carolina win. Sam Darnold went 13 of 24 for 129 yards. Matt Ryan, 20 of 27 for 146 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Chuba Hubbard had a great day for Carolina, picking up 82 yards and a touchdown off of 24 carries. And the best receiving game I see here is DJ Moore of the Panthers, snagging 59 yards off of four catches. Next up, the Miami Dolphins traveled up to Orchard Park, New York to take on the Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Tua Tungvaloa went 21-39 for 205 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception. Josh Allen went 29-42 for 249 yards and two interceptions. A very good game, Um, I say that. The scoreboard doesn't reflect it, but I have to admit, I enjoyed watching this one. Next up, the San Francisco 49ers traveled to Chicago to take on Justin Fields and the Bears. Jimmy Garoppolo went 17 of 28 for 322 yards. Justin Fields went 19 of 27 for 175 yards, one touchdown and one interception. Justin Fields also had a pretty good day on the ground for Green Bay, picking up 103 yards and a touchdown off of 10 carries. The best receiving game here is definitely Debo Samuel, who caught for 171 yards off of six receptions. Next up, the Pittsburgh Steelers traveled to Cleveland to take on division rival Cleveland Browns. Ben Roethlisberger went 22 of 34 for 266 yards and one touchdown. Baker Mayfield went 20 of 31 for 225 yards. That it was a fun game. Um, I wish that Cleveland had won. Unfortunately, Pittsburgh did. Najee Harris, a guy who Alabama fan, or excuse me, a guy who Auburn fans know well. Well, I guess Alabama fans know him well too. But He ran for 91 yards off of 26 carries. He also got a touchdown. Nick Chubb was kind of underwhelming. He had 61 yards off of 16 carries. The best receiving game here has got to be Deontay Johnson for Pittsburgh. He caught for 98 yards off of six receptions. Next up, Detroit could still not catch a break as Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles ran all over them. This one was hard to watch. It made me kind of sad, not going to lie to you. Jalen Hurts only went 9 of 14 for 103 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. To think that an NFL quarterback had that stat line and his team won 44 to 6 is mind-boggling. Jared Goff for the Lions went 25 of 34 for 222 yards. Just a crazy game. Jalen Hurts was also the leading rusher of the game, picking up 71 yards off of 7 carries. For the receiver of the day, I'm going to have to give it to TJ Hawkinson, who caught for 89 yards off of 10 receptions. I feel sorry for Detroit. I really do. If there are any Lions fans listening, I would just recommend finding a new team. I'm sorry, but there's just I don't see any hope. Next up, the L.A. Rams travel down to face off against another team that has no hope, the Houston Texans. Matthew Stafford had a day, 21 complete passes off 32 attempts, 305 yards, 3 touchdowns. I'm glad that Matthew Stafford got out of Detroit because now he's balling. I just wish he had did this a little earlier. Davis Mills for the Texans is doing what he can. He went 29 of 38 for 310 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. I honestly don't think this guy's the problem. I think that this guy just needs a better supporting cast. The leading rusher of the game was definitely Daryl Henderson for the Rams, picking up 90 yards off of 14 carries. And Cooper Cup was the game's leading receiver, picking up 115 yards off of seven receptions and a touchdown. Next up, the Tennessee Titans traveled up to Lucas Oil Stadium to take on the Indianapolis Colts. Ryan Tannehill went 23 of 33 for 265 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Carson Wentz on the other side went 27 of 51 for 231 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Game's leading rusher, to the surprise of many, was not Derrick Henry, it was Jonathan Taylor. Taylor had 70 yards and one touchdown off of 16 carries. Derrick Henry broke his foot. I'm not sure if that was during the game or after, but I hope he gets well soon. He's a big part of football. I love watching him. A.J. Brown had a big receiving day for Tennessee, picking up 155 yards and a touchdown off of 10 carries. Next up, the... Cincinnati Bengals traveled to New Jersey to take on the New York Jets, who won 34-31 to against the Bengals. This makes me so happy. It was awesome to see the Jets play this well. It was just exciting. Joe Burrow did good. He went 21-34 for 259 yards for three touchdowns. But let's talk about Mike White. 37-45, to 405 yards, three touchdowns. Two interceptions, but that does not matter. You threw for 405 yards against one of the better defenses in the NFL. Have yourself a day, Mr. White. The other, some bigger performances I see here, T. Higgins for Cincinnati caught for 97 yards off of four catches. Michael Carter for New York caught for 95 yards off of nine catches. What a day. If you're a Jets fan, congratulations. Y'all deserve it. That game was awesome. Next up, the Patriots traveled out west to face off against the L.A. Chargers. They won 27-24. This was a good game. Mac Jones, 18-35 for 217 yards. Justin Aber went 18-35 for 223 yards. Very fun game. I enjoyed watching it. Next up, the Jacksonville Jaguars went out to Seattle, and things did not go so well there as they lost 31-7. The Denver Broncos traveled to Washington to take on the football team. Denver got it done, 17-10. Taylor Heineke had a good day, though. He went 24-39 of for 270 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. A very, very fun game to watch. Um, I heard it referred to as the Tank Bowl, which was pretty funny, pretty fitting. So next up, Tampa Bay, New Orleans Saints. My Saints got it done. Even with Jameis Winston going out with an injury, he'll be out for the year, which is sad. But Trevor Simeon got the job done, so I'm interested to see if that can continue. We also have Mark Ingram back, so that's really cool. Dallas beat Minnesota 20-16 to on Monday Night Football. The New York Giants fell to the Kansas City Chiefs 20-17. So moving into Week 9, tonight on Thursday Night Football, the New York Jets take on the Indianapolis Colts. I think the Colts get it done. Next up, moving into Sunday, Minnesota at Baltimore. I think that Baltimore will win. Next up, New England at Carolina. Give me Carolina. Cleveland at Cincinnati. This one's a toss-up. I have no idea. My gut is telling me Cincinnati, so I'm going to go with them. Next, we have Denver at Dallas. I'm going to go with Denver. I think they're hot. I think they pulled the upset. Next up is Buffalo at Jacksonville. Uh, I don't see much of a shot for Jacksonville. I think Buffalo gets it done. Houston at Miami. I'm going to go with Miami. Neither team's good. I think Houston is slightly worse. My Saints take on the Falcons at home on Sunday. I think that the Saints are going to get it done. We seem to be hot. I really wish we hadn't lost to the Giants because then we would be 6-1. and one. But things happen, but I still think the Saints get it done. Next up, the New York Giants host the Las Vegas Raiders, who will be without star wideout Henry Ruggs. We only talk football on this show, so I'm not going to get into any of the details. If you're curious about what happened, just Google Henry Ruggs. You won't have to look far. I think that LA is going to be just dis- LA. I think that Las Vegas is going to be distracted. I think New York pulls the upset. Los Angeles Chargers at Philadelphia Eagles, give me the Chargers. Green Bay at Kansas City, give me Green Bay. Arizona at San Francisco, give me Arizona. And then on Sunday night football, the Tennessee Titans traveling out to LA to take on the Los Angeles Rams. I'm going to go with the up. I think that Tennessee is going to win. And then on Monday Night Football, the Chicago Bears are traveling to Pittsburgh to take on Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that Pittsburgh is going to get it done. So now we're going to look into some of the league leaders and some stats so far in the NFL this year. Leading passer is Tom Brady then Matthew Stafford, then Patrick Mahomes, then Kyla Murray, then Derek Carr. Rushers, Derek Henry, not a big surprise. Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Ezekiel Elliott. Receivers, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. On defense, leader in tackles are Bobby Wagner, Denzel Perryman, Roquan Smith, Alex Singleton, and Forsake Ulunkan. And Sacks, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Harold Landry third, Matthew Judon, and Hasten Reddick. And then in interceptions, Trayvon Diggs, Kevin Byard, Logan Wilson, Micah Hyde, and Jordan Poyer. It'll be interesting to see how these change or stay the same as the season goes on. But that is going to do it for the NFL talk today here on the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. When we come back, we're going to get into some college football stuff. You are listening to the best sports show on the Plains. Keep it right here. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM, your home for student-run radio here at Auburn University. I'm your host, Daniel Locke. So we've had a great show today. In the first segment, we had on special guest Jacob Hillman, who is the president of Auburn's student section, the AU Jungle as well as co-sports director here at Weigel. We talked about the Braves. We talked about everything. Then in the second segment, I recapped last weekend's UFC event, then previewed this weekend's UFC event. In the third segment, we did weeks eight and nine of the NFL. So now to close out the show today, we're going to get into everyone's favorite, college football. So week eight was a lot of... I'm, I'm sorry. Week nine was a lot of fun. The action got started on Thursday night as the Troy Trojans traveled up to Conway, South Carolina to face off against the 24th ranked Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. These two had another classic battle. Carolina came out on top again as Coastal got it done 35-28. A very good game. I enjoyed watching it. Next up, the Georgia Bulldogs traveled down to Jacksonville, Florida. The Florida Gators traveled up to Jacksonville, Florida. They play there every year. Florida only scored once. They didn't really. This was probably the most boring um, addition to this rivalry in a long time as Georgia got it done 34-7. The second-ranked Cincinnati Bearcats went to play Tulane, got it done 31-12. Texas Tech went up to Norman the face off against the fourth-ranked Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma got it done 52-21. to Caleb Williams was the leading passer for Oklahoma. So we're still not seeing much of our man. <laughs> we're still not seeing a whole lot of Spencer Rattler, and personally, I'm okay with it. The 20th-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions traveled to face off against the Ohio State Buckeyes, who are number five. And it was amazing that Penn State played as well as they did coming off the week they did of losing to Illinois at nine nine overtimes at home and over homecoming. But 33-24 to 24 is nothing to be ashamed of when coming off what you did against Ohio State. So I'm interested to see how Penn State rebounds and Ohio State continues. College game day went to East Lansing, Michigan to see the Michigan State Spartans face off against the Michigan Wolverines. This game was a classic. So, so fun to watch. Michigan State got it done 37-33. Next up, the Oregon Ducks hosted the Colorado Buffaloes. Oregon gets it done 52-29. The ninth-ranked Iowa Hawkeyes traveled up to Wisconsin to take on the unranked Badgers. Unranked no more as they laid the wood on Iowa, winning 27-7. to In a classic game on the Plains, so fun, Auburn beats Ole Miss 31-20, sending Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral home sad. What a fun game. Auburn, you brought the energy to that one. Let's do it again in two weeks. What a fun one. Number 11, Notre Dame, hosted the North Carolina Tar Heels, who have definitely fallen below expectations this year. Notre Dame gets it done 44-34. 12th ranked Kentucky went to Starkville and got upset by Mississippi State 31-17. Wake Forest beat Duke 45-7. No surprises there. Oklahoma State. They beat Kansas 55-3. They did not struggle with Kansas. Oklahoma did. Keep that in mind. Spencer Sanders, not the best day ever. 12-19, for 157 yards, two touchdowns. But I see that as they are saving him for what is coming up this week. Baylor hosted Texas, got it done 31-24. Miami went to play Pittsburgh and got the upset 38-14. I was amazed. I did not think the Canes would get that. 19th-ranked SMU went to play Houston on the road, and they would get upset by a score of 44-37. to Fresno State upset number 21, San Diego State 30-20. to Number 22, Iowa State went to Morgantown, West Virginia, and lost 38-31. Man, this was the week for upsets. And in the last Top 25 matchup of Week 9, the Virginia Cavaliers traveled out to Utah to face Hopkins' 25th ranked BYU. BYU would get it done 66-49. to Moving on to Week 10. So, in the Top 25, on Saturday starting at 11, Missouri-Georgia I don't think there's any question. I think that Georgia gets this done. I think they get it done easily. I think that the 4th and 5th string might get to play. On Big Noon kickoff, which I'm I'm not trying to be biased towards game day, but I'm sorry, Big Noon kickoff is a travesty. It is horrible. So sorry if you disagree, but that's I don't know how anyone can watch that. Ohio State and Nebraska... Tickets as low as $22. You won't see that on the game day game. You will not see cheap tickets on the game day game. But Ohio State's going to get it done. No doubt in my mind. Wake Forest host, or, travels over to Chapel Hill to face off against the North Carolina Tar Heels. North Carolina's the favorite. I don't agree. I think Wake gets it done. Hugh Freeze gets to return to Oxford, Mississippi to take on his run in Rebels. As he gets to return home with Liberty, Ole Miss is going to come into this game limping while Liberty has had this one circled on their calendar. I've honestly got to go with Ole Miss, even though I do think Liberty will make it a game. Illinois travels to Minnesota, the 20th ranked Minnesota Golden Gophers. I think that they're going to get it done. This spread is in their favor by 14 and a half. no doubt there. Pitt is going to play Duke. They are a favorite by 21. I think that might be a little low, but I think Pitt gets it done. Moving into the 230 window, number three, Michigan State, is traveling down the West Lafayette, Indiana to take on the Purdue Boilermakers. The spread is only three in favor of Michigan State. I don't know what ESPN's thinking here. I mean, I don't know what the Vegas Sportsbook is thinking here. That is so low but maybe they think the power of the world's largest bass drum will carry Purdue to victory. These Here we go. This is the game day game. This is the real biggest game of the day, as ESPN would say. But college game day is heading to Cincinnati, Ohio to see the number 6th ranked Bearcats face off against the Tulsa, Oklahoma people. I'm not very... Happy with how Cincinnati got snubbed. A lot of people aren't, as they are number six. Completely left out of the playoff rankings. Their fans are mad. Tickets are as low as $147. That's more like it. Take that, Big Noon kickoff. In a classic rivalry that we didn't get to see last year, number 10, Notre Dame hosts the Naval Academy. I like Notre Dame. I think they're going to get it done pretty easy. Spencer Sanders and the Oklahoma State Cowboys travel out to Morgantown to face off against the West Virginia Mountaineers. Spencer Sanders doesn't struggle. I think that they get it done. Oklahoma State all day. Number 12, Baylor, is traveling down to Fort Worth to take on TCU. I think that TCU is going to get it done. Idaho State is traveling to BYU. Vegas didn't even bother with this one, there's no spread, there's no over-under, BYU all day. Wisconsin at Rutgers, I think that the Scarlet Knights are going to struggle with the Badgers, even though this game is being played in Piscatway, New Jersey. I still have to go with Wisconsin. Number 17, Mississippi State, is hosting Arkansas. Arkansas is the favorite, but I think Mississippi State is red hot, I think they keep riding this wave. Number 19, NC State is heading down the Tallahassee to take on the Florida State Seminoles. I think NC State gets it done. Moving into the night window, LSU at Alabama. I will be in Tuscaloosa this weekend, not at this game though. Alabama is going to wipe the floor with these struggling, distracted, injured LSU Tigers. It's going to be hard to watch. Kentucky is hosting Tennessee Tennessee's the favorite. I don't see it. Kentucky wins. Number 22, Iowa is heading to Evanston, Illinois to take on Northwestern. Uh, I'm going to Iowa. Number 23, Fresno State is hosting the Boise State Broncos. I don't think Fresno is going to struggle. I think they win. Number 4, Oregon is traveling to Seattle to take on Washington. This one is one I have on upset watch. Oregon has been trending down since upsetting Ohio State. I don't think they I think they get it done very narrowly. I don't think they cover. Indiana is heading to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan in the Big House. As much as I love Indiana, I think this game's going to be a funeral. And I'm going to use this one to get my late night football fix on Saturday. Number 24, San Diego State travels out to Honolulu to take on the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. San Diego State's the favorite by 7. I think they win. Kickoff for this one's at 10 o'clock Central Time. You do not want to miss it. So, Auburn. Traveling up to College Station, Kyle Field, where they have never lost. It's been a very good place for Auburn to play. Wow. I The spread is 4.5 for A&M. Over-under is 49.5. I don't see Auburn losing this game. Uh, call me crazy, but I, I think Auburn gets it done, and I'm looking forward to watching it. And I think that Auburn's gonna, Auburn's gonna surprise a lot of people, and they're gonna show how legit they really are. So now, with my last little bit here, I'm going to cover the college football playoff rankings. I'm gonna read them out one through 25, then just give off time to give like one or two thoughts about it. So, 1, Georgia, 2, Alabama, 3, Michigan State, 4, Oregon, 5, Ohio State, 6, Cincinnati, 7, Michigan, 8, Oklahoma, 9, Wake Forest, 10, Notre Dame, 11, Oklahoma State, 12, Baylor, 13, Auburn, 14, Texas A&M. That was definitely intentional for this weekend. 15, BYU, 16, Ole Miss, 17, Mississippi State, 18, Kentucky, 19, NC State, 20, Minnesota, 21, Wisconsin, 22, Iowa, 23, Fresno State, 24, San Diego State, 25, Pitt. Cincinnati deserves to be in the top four. I think they deserve the three, the three or the four spot. Mississippi State does not deserve to be in these at all. I'm sorry, they don't. They especially don't deserve to be one point away from Ole Miss, but it's not up to me. The committee did not ask me. So, I'll keep my thoughts to you guys. That is going to do it for the Eagle's Nest here today on Weagle 91.1 FM. Be sure to tune in next Thursday at 3 o'clock. If you missed any of today's action, you can catch the podcast here in a few minutes. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. And War, Eagle. You've been listening to The Eagle's Nest with Daniel Locke on Weagle 91.1 FM. Be sure to tune in next Thursday at 3 o'clock for more sports action on the Plains. As always, if you miss out, you can catch the podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you find your podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at TheDanielLocke. Until next time, have a great day, and we're Eagle.